0: We've been looking at the story of Jesus as it's told in Luke's Gospel. It begins with the arrival of an unlikely king born in poor, humble circumstances.
1: Then we saw Jesus as a teacher, prophet. He went throughout Israel calling people to a radical way of life, where enemies become friends, the poor are cared for, where people find forgiveness for their failures.
0: He went from town to town inviting people to follow him and live under God's reign in this upside down way.
1: And he did many signs and wonders. So many Israelites began to hope that he would rescue Israel from the Romans and set up a new kingdom of peace and justice. In short, that he would bring the kingdom of God.
0: Now the religious leaders of the day were also hoping for God's kingdom. But to them, the message of Jesus was a threat.
1: Yeah, they had expected to gain power and prestige when this all went down. But Jesus said God's kingdom belongs to the poor, to the
0: outsider, and that real power is serving others in love. This conflict intensified when Jesus, while in Jerusalem, disrupted the temple sacrifices and called Israel's leaders a gang of rebels. So they arrested Jesus,
1: and they had him accused before the Roman authorities of being a rebel king. He was handed over for execution even though he was innocent. Then he was taken
0: outside the city put to death on false charges. This brings us to the final section of the Gospel of Luke. There was a religious leader named Joseph who opposed Jesus' execution and then requested to be given his body so he could bury Jesus in a nearby tomb. And then a couple of days later,
1: some women who had followed Jesus came to visit that tomb. And they found it open and empty. And they encountered these mysterious figures telling them Jesus was alive from the dead. So they run away terrified. Nobody believes their report.
0: I mean, he can't be alive. They all saw him die. Now, just outside of Jerusalem, a pair of Jesus' followers were leaving the city, traveling on a road to a town called Emmaus, and they were sad and confused about everything that had happened.
1: Then Jesus shows up, walking alongside them, but they don't know it's him. Yeah, that's
0: weird. Why couldn't they recognize him?
1: Yeah, it's an odd but really significant (laughs) image for Luke they're blind to Jesus for some reason. So Jesus asks them,
0: what are you guys talking about? And they begin to tell him about Jesus, a powerful prophet who they expected would rescue Israel, but was instead executed. Some women say he's alive, which is crazy. It's all too much. We're going home. So Jesus
1: tries to explain that this is what the Jewish scriptures had been pointing to all along that Israel needed a king who would suffer and die as a rebel on behalf of those who actually are rebels. And then he would be vindicated by his resurrection so he could give true life to those who would receive it.
0: But it's still not making sense. They're as confused as ever.
1: Which leads to the scene where they sit down for a meal with Jesus. He takes the bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them just as he did at the Last Supper.
0: Yeah, this is the image of his broken body, his death on the cross.
1: And it's when they take in the broken bread, that's when their eyes are open to see Jesus, then he disappears and the episode's over.
0: So this is a story about how it's hard to see Jesus for who he really is.
1: Yes, this is brilliant. I mean, how could God's royal power and love be revealed through this man's shameful execution? How could a humble man become the king of the world through weakness and self-sacrifice? It's very hard to see. But this is the message of the Gospel of Luke. It takes a transformation of your imagination to see it and embrace Jesus' upside-down
0: kingdom. The Gospel of Luke ends with Jesus and all of his disciples together over another meal, and everyone's freaking out about his resurrected body. I mean, he's still a human, but way more.
1: Yes, he's passed through death and come out the other side, a walking, talking piece of new creation. And then Jesus tells them that he's going to give them the same divine power that sustained him. So they can go out and share the
0: good news of God's kingdom with other people. After this, Luke tells us that Jesus was taken up into heaven. Which is a cool exit and all, but why disappear into the sky?
1: So in the Old Testament, the skies are the place of God's throne. They're above everything. So this is Luke's way of showing that Jesus has been enthroned as the divine king of the whole
0: world. His followers stay in Jerusalem, worshiping God and Jesus, waiting for this new power. And this is where the gospel ends.
1: Now, Luke is going to write about how they receive this power and take the news out into the world. And that's what his second volume, the book of Acts, is all about.
2: Church, we got some celebration to do today because we are done with the book of Luke. Woo! Come on, let's read the last verses here. Luke 24, verses 36 through fifty. Three. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, "Peace be with you." They were startled, they were frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, "Why are you troubled and why do you or why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have." When they had said this, or when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it, ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Verse 50. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they, catch this church, then they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Everybody say great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So we just covered last week. Walking on the road to Emmaus, as that video talked about, these two individuals, they did not recognize that they were walking and talking with Jesus, even though they were talking to Jesus. This is the funny part, right? To Jesus about Jesus not recognizing him, but then he actually spends some pretty serious quality time with them, walking with them, talking with them, opening up the scriptures to them, and then he breaks bread with them, and when he breaks the bread, when they receive the bread, their eyes are opened, they recognize Jesus, and then he disappears. These two disciples, these followers of Jesus, they're pretty excited, they hurry off, they find the eleven, they find some others, and they tell them, man, we got to tell you what just happened, we just saw Jesus, and now, today's scene that we just read, this begins to unfold. Everyone's still talking. Everyone's kind of buzzing. They're, they're beginning to realize, like, Jesus, he, he did it like He's not in the grave. There's this excitement that's building. Like, it's better and bigger even than the excitement of the man being in first place whenever that happens. when. Praise the Lord. Come on, Jesus. Come through. I'm getting old. But it's even more exciting than that. Verse 36. It says, while they're still talking, while there's this buzz and excitement, Jesus himself, he stands among them and he says, peace be with you. The people are frightened. They think they saw a ghost. But I love Jesus. Jesus says, hey, oh, why are you troubled? Why do you doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I myself, is what he says. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. But then the Bible tells us that they still don't believe in it. But the Bible says, and this is what I love, the Bible says they still don't believe because of their joy and amazement. So come on, churches, as much as you can, imagine with me what this scene is like. So much going on. The women, they had gone back to the tomb. They can't find Jesus. There's these two angels there, men in dazzling robes. They're telling them that, no, Jesus is alive. And Peter had gone. Peter had seen that Jesus wasn't there. And and, and then uh, all of a sudden there's these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They now see Jesus with their very own two eyes and now jesus jesus is here he's standing with the people the people they're just trying to take it in they're trying to struggle through it right not really believing it's him by the way this isn't like a negative not believing or a pessimistic not believing really it's just their excitement right they're they're giddy they're pumped they have joy they have amazement and finally jesus says do you have anything to eat and jesus gets some fish and then he goes to work He begins to teach, starting in verse 44. He teaches all the things that he had to do to fulfill Scripture. He opens their minds. Isn't that amazing? Opens their minds so that they can understand Scriptures. The opening up of their minds is so important because you remember from last week I talked about how almost everyone was looking for the wrong Messiah. They were growing up, you know, good boys and, and girls, They, especially the boys, they had studied Torah, they had studied Scripture. They, they were looking for the wrong Messiah, one who would kick out the Roman oppressors. They were uh, one that would establish the political kingdom right rule and reign uh have anyone seen the chosen by the way the chosen such a good series season two episode three really does a good job of explaining where the disciples were with all of this i mean actually excellent season two episode three check it out But now Jesus is showing them that even though they were looking for the wrong Messiah, not understanding uh, what Jesus had to walk through as Messiah, now he's revealing through Scripture that he was the true Messiah. He was the Son of Man, that he is the one who rescued them, but not from an earthly enemy, but what? From the enemy of sin. And Death, and his words are so powerful he says, "This is what is written: the Messiah will suffer and will rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things." So Jesus is teaching them. Don't you love that Jesus is willing to teach you, church? Aren't you thankful that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is even teaching us right now? So Jesus teaches. He says, you guys, Messiah, he had to die. Messiah, he raised from the dead. And now as the risen Lord, this is the good news, repentance for the forgiveness of sins is going to be preached. True forgiveness, praise the Lord, is now found in Jesus. True true freedom, true life is now found in Jesus who is Follow with me the risen Christ. And he says this message now will be preached to all nations. Everybody say all nations. This is so important. The message will now be preached to all nations starting in Jerusalem. But guess who's going to preach this message to all nations? Right? Who's going to preach this message of forgiveness and salvation to all nations? Well, it's going to start with the disciples. It's going to start with these men and these women. But it's also going to include, by the way, each one of us. Today, I'm so glad you came to church today because I want you to hear this. It's with us. But this is the really good news of the gospel is you and I don't have to go out into all nations by our own power or muscle up some uh, kind of willpower or strength on our own. No, he tells them in verse 49, receive this if you can today, church. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. And what's that? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the promise of the Holy Spirit. But you stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. See, you're going to be my witnesses, Jesus says. You're going to be preaching the good news of my kingdom. But you're going to do it. Not by your own strength. Not by your own abilities. But you are going to be doing it as you receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to be clothed with power from on high. Anybody else living by the power of God this morning? Isn't it, it's the best, right? Isn't that one of the best parts of being a Christian? We are clothed with power from on high. Each of us baptized in and with the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I just don't even understand how people try to live any other life than the life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been given the power to be His witnesses right here, right now, in our cities, in our towns, to where His message this very day, His message, His good news is reaching the nations Through us, praise the Lord, through us, His church, as we carry His name and His power into the world. Can somebody praise God this morning? It's so, the Christian, there's nothing like it. Woo! I love God. I love His Spirit. Before I get to the last two verses, I I just got to pause here for a second. Church. And this is my passion, of course. My passion has always been to have Christians who are Christian by name to wake up by the power of God and to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's nothing else, at my funeral, you're all going to say one thing about Dan. He loved the Holy Spirit and he loved seeing dead things come to life. He loved seeing people sleepwalking through life to now be activated and live with purpose, destiny, and calling all by the power of God in their lives. The Christian life. But before we get to these last verses, I just want to encourage you, the Christian life, the Christian life, the one that's been made possible by Jesus' death and his resurrection, please, I beg of you, please do not try to do it on your own, in your own strength. Let Jesus baptize you today. Let him baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let Him baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare leave here today without someone praying for you to come into agreement with all that God and His Spirit has for you. That He would just begin to be overflowing in your life. That you would be fully immersed. Your life would be immersed, just fully covered in the tangible presence of God. Where you'd be clothed. I mean, come on, just think of that word, clothed. Right? It's to cover. It's to be clothed, covered with power from on high. This world is crazy. This world is crazy. Every day the news gets darker. And the spirit of this world and the evil in this world will devour you if you aren't walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not be a fool and try to engage in any kind of spiritual battle without the Lord. Without the Spirit, you might as well be naked. And when Satan sees you, he sees a sitting duck. No, you need to go in full of the armor of God with the weapons of God. Otherwise, he is coming. Satan hates you. He is here to kill your uh your dreams. He is here to steal your joy and he will destroy your life. So do not leave this building without you being clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Our prayer team is going to be here. They're ready to pray for you. I will pray for you. Any of us will pray for you. Do not leave here and do not try to live the Christian life, whatever that means. Do not try to be a follower of Jesus without the power of God leading you through it. This is so real right now. And I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians get destroyed. You have the power of God in you. Rise up. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And then verse 50. This is sometime later and he takes them out to Bethany and it's the southeastern slope of the Mount of Olives. And we want to get to Israel again. I hope everybody can go with us, but I can't wait to get you to some of these places. But he lifts up his hands, he blesses them, and while he's blessing them, he, he left them and he was taken up into heaven. So here we are this kind of the end verses of this incredible book of Luke and Jesus is taken up into heaven. And more than anything, what I want you to understand about the ascension is that it really is, it's beautiful, but it's this amazing vindication of Jesus, of who he was, that he was who he said that he was. And even with that video, I think it does a great job of explaining that it's exaltation, right? He's exalted to the right hand of the Father as the risen Lord, as the risen Christ, the Messiah. And we know even from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 33, that it's from this position of the reigning Lord, the reigning Messiah, that now Jesus is going to pour out the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is poured out in Pentecost in Acts, chapter 2, listen to what Paul, or Peter actually says to the crowd. And he's talking about Jesus. He says, therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God. And this is what happens right when he's exalted in this scene that we just talked about. But now having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has poured forth this which you both see and hear. So again, he's exalted at the right hand of the Father, the risen Christ, and from that place he pours out the promise, Holy Spirit. I'm going to dive into this deeper in the fall. Can't wait to jump into Acts uh, this fall. But let's wrap up today, verses 52, 53. And, and I'm going to camp here just a little bit. It, this really stirred my heart this week. Uh, 52 and 53. If we have it up on the screen, I actually want us to read this together. This is really important to us today, I think. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising god so powerful to me i remember the first time i read these verses as a young adult and and they fired me up it it spoke actually these verses go ahead and leave these verses up on the screen for just a little bit Uh, these verses resonated so deeply with the hunger that i felt Uh, when i was 18 i had a radical encounter with the power of the holy spirit Where I really had Jesus open up my eyes in a new way. And it was in that moment of receiving this incredible revelation, again at 18 years old, that I I just realized, Jesus, he's worthy. Have you ever had that moment in your life? Where, like, before that, like, you have arguments, you have debates, you have conversations, you're, you're, you're conflicted, all those types of things. But there's that moment of revelation with Jesus, where you encounter Jesus, and you see Jesus, and you go, no, 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 you're worthy. Jesus. And it doesn't mean you don't have questions or you still don't have conversations and debates, but there's something that's happened, right? There's been a, a step of faith that's taken place where you go, you know, Jesus, you're worthy. In fact, I remember, I'm 18 years old. I'm just like, no, you're worthy. Like, you're worthy of it all. You're you're worthy of my time. You're worthy. I remember I emptied my bank account. I gave my whole savings account to the church. I was just like, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of my life. And, and just I remember the you know, great joy. I mean, I, it was so much joy. It was life and purpose and meaning. I I, I was just full of the Lord and, and And I remember I was thinking even back then, I was like, forever I'm going to be praising you, God. I I will praise you all the days. Of my life. And before I go uh, into the close here, I, I want to go deeper into these verses because I don't want any of us to miss the power of these verses. Because again, to, to recap it, all, uh, after everything is said and done, after the disciples recognize Jesus, after He illuminates and opens up their eyes to Scriptures and He shows them that He is the Messiah, after He's taken up into heaven as He's exalted to the right hand of the Father, vindicating Him, proving His death and His resurrection, that He did what only He could do, that He did what He said he would do that now his disciples response incredible absolutely incredible and i hope in many ways that their response is our response and if you're taking notes or if you have your phone i want you to write these things down because i I think these next three things i I want us to meditate upon this this week uh the the first thing again if you're taking notes verse 52 it tells us that they worshipped him they worshipped him and I don't know what you're going through, but in every situation, every season, every circumstance, Jesus is worthy of worship. Yeah, amen is the response to that, by the way. That's to say, I agree with you, Pastor Dan. That's right. Let it be. He is worthy. He is always worthy. He's worthy because He is who He said He is. Right? They, pray, they worship Him because He... He is who He said He is. And He's the exalted Messiah. He's the exalted King. He is the Lord. He is the Christ who sits at the right hand of God. Even now, as I'm saying that, does anyone else just want to fall at your feet and raise your hands to Him? Right? I mean, I, I'm feeling that. It's, it's the say, God, you are who you said you are. I love the Apostle Paul, what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, church, he says, rejoice always. He says, pray continually. He says, you know what? Give thanks in every situation, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And again, I don't know what you're going through, but could we just rejoice always in the name of Jesus? To pray continually without ceasing in the name of Jesus. That we would give thanks. Man, that's a choice. But could we just choose to be thankful, church? Could we choose to be grateful? That we will be known as a people who give thanks in every and all circumstances in Jesus' name. Because this is God's will. See, when you get your eyes onto Jesus, you're going to begin to live this way. Give it a shot. Get your eyes on the Jesus. When He opens your eyes, your eyes are on the exalted King. You're going to begin to live a life of worship because worship, in many ways, is a response to seeing Jesus. Worship in many ways is a response to seeing Jesus. You see Jesus show up on the scene and you worship Him. You see Jesus do what only Jesus can do and you worship Him. Whether it's a healing experience like I've recently had, radical healing experience, or maybe a financial provision where you didn't know how you are going to make it financially, then the Lord provides, or maybe it's a relationship. you ever been in a relationship there was no hope of restoration, and then it's restored? What is your response to that, church? Oh, Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He shows up on the scene, and you praise Him, right? And there's a thousand other reasons why we praise the Lord. We see Jesus at work, and our response To Jesus, at work is worship. Jesus, you are worthy of worship. But then I'm also kind of at that point in my life, and I don't know if everyone's going to track with me on this one or not, but the more I read about the mess in this world, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, the world needs Jesus. But if I'm honest, like a lot of that mess, and maybe this will cause you not to want to ever come back, but a lot of that mess Man, I feel it swirling around in me. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And the more and more, I'm just telling you, I worship him not even because of something he's doing for me today. Like healing or provision or restoration. All those. I mean, I love those. I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful for what he's doing in my life. But honestly, the longer I'm a Christian, the reason I worship Jesus is for what He's already done for me on the cross, by dying for my sins. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? See, I worship Jesus because of what He's already done. I worship Jesus because of His death on the cross, this resurrection from the grave. The older I get, I'm realizing, like, Oh, Jesus, I still need rescue. I still need deliverance. I need salvation. Not just from some enemy out there in the world, but come on, I need saving from myself. Anybody else? (laughs) Like, save me, Jesus. Save me from my hard heart. Come on. I said this to the men on Thursday night. Save me from my judgmental thoughts, my negative attitude. And so I worship Him because the power of the cross and by the power of Jesus... He can set me free. I can be delivered. Thank you, Jesus. He forgives me of my sins. He washes me clean. He makes me new. He sets me free. I'm no longer dead in my sins, but I'm alive in Christ forever and ever. Jesus, you are worthy of my worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they worshiped him. Number two, write this down. They returned with great joy. Great joy. I was thinking about it this week. One of the greatest testimonies of Jesus' power in our lives is our joy. It's our joy. Christians should be people of joy. Even, by the way, in the midst of sorrow. You know, even as I mourn the loss of my cousin. My cousin George, he was 45. He died of a horrific semi-accident. You might have read it on the news the other day. His brakes failed. Waller and Pioneer went down, swerved, missed the intersection. uh, But his truck came uh, tipped over. Died a horrific, terrible, frightening death. Even as we mourn his death. Or I think about Greg Shoalside. And we went to his memorial service yesterday. Greg, he loved, had a passion for youth. He was our young adults leader here for a while. He just loves young people. And where it feels like both of those men, gone way too soon. I mean, Greg was only 61 years old. Both of those men, gone way too soon. Even so, we do not grieve as those without hope. Even in our grief, our hope is Jesus. Even in our sorrow, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We don't, this is what I love about being a Christian, we don't run from Jesus in those moments. We run to Jesus. He fills us with great joy. Sometimes I say this, you've heard it before, sometimes you've got to learn how to have joy with tears in your eyes. And I mean that. Because it's a perspective, it's a heavenly perspective, and it's a perspective that only Jesus can give us, an eternal perspective, because He reminds us of the victory that was found on the cross. And you got to remember, I love what Pastor Mary said, I love what uh, Kyla had us sing today. Uh, these disciples, in today's passage, they are all going to die, one way or another, for Jesus. They say, now John probably died of old age, but even John was exiled to an island, And so their joy, their great joy wasn't based on circumstances. Their great joy wasn't based on everything going back to pre-pandemic life. As much as I hate this virus, I mean literally my father-in-law died from this stupid thing. But COVID isn't going to steal my joy. Church, wearing a mask, as much as I hate a mask, a mask isn't going to steal my joy. Nothing is going to... The devil himself is not going to steal my joy. That's who we are. That's why I love LifeSpring. Because God is in this place. And with Jesus, we have great joy. (laughs) Praise the Lord. By the way, and I love what Catherine said, because Mary and I have been talking about that all week. We're so proud of you, church. I love LifeSpring. I love the way you've been just persevering in the faith, and you are a people of great joy. And I have good news for you. I I think the best is yet to come here. I I think there's going to be moments here where we're just going to be Freaking out like we're we're just just the the heavenly. It's going to be a place where heaven meets earth. I mean, I just see this again and again where people are coming in healed and restored and clean and delivered and restored. I mean, just all those things. But then they're going to be just sent out as warriors for the kingdom of God, full of the light of Christ, full of the power of God. That it's going to be this just. I see a thoroughfare, and I want those doors open all the time. Like I want them open Monday through Sunday, morning till night. Just a thoroughfare of people coming in and being set free and being sent out all by. The power of God. I see that church. That is life spring. Amen. I'm just so proud of each one of you. You are a part of that. But I just want to hear. I have you hear this, because I don't know what you're going through, and I'm assuming it's a lot. Just this week alone, I was thinking about what people are going through, and it is a lot. You are walking through so much. But again, in the name of Jesus, you might even need to whisper this to yourself, but also whisper this to anything else that's in the spiritual realm. That nothing and no one is going to steal my joy. And you can even do it without kind of confidence work that's not in yourself, because you know who you are in yourself, but the confident thing that you have in Jesus. No, I get it. you're, You're throwing your best darts at me, but see, I got Jesus. And nothing's going to steal my joy. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you're crying, when you're devastated, when you're broken, when your heart is crushed, and the enemy mocks you. You say, Yeah. But see, my king conquered death itself. And nothing, not even death itself, is gonna steal away my joy and steal away my life in Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. Tanya Crawford, you guys know Tanya. She's a part of the Lifespring family. I love Tanya. She she was very close to Greg scholside and and, in fact, in many ways, Greg helped raise her, and she sees him as a father figure. But I love what she said at the memorial yesterday. It was so powerful. But I also love what she posted on her Facebook. We'll put it up on the screen. This is James 1, 2, and 3. And this is what she wrote, or this is what she posted. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow so even in our pain life spring even when the struggle is so real we can meditate on the lord we can turn our eyes to jesus and let him the risen lord and christ the messiah fill us with great inexpressible joy when we turn our eyes to jesus that made me think of that one song i don't have this in my notes but we got to sing i've said it enough times now and grace. You know, one of the coolest things about this passage, this is the end of Luke. Luke is 24 chapters. It took us three years to walk through it. But at the very end, when they're talking about great joy, it's fun for me to be able to go back to the very beginning of Luke and see what the shepherds, come on, were told by the angels. You know where I'm going with this, right? Right at the beginning. What did the angels say to the shepherds? Do not be afraid. Because I bring you, say it with me, church, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Praise the Lord. Good news of great joy for all the people. Why? Because today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And He is what? He is Messiah. And He is the Lord. Now this gives me goosebumps because now, also because it's kind of cold in here, but it, it gives me goosebumps because the disciples see Him as what? The Savior, the risen Messiah, and the Lord, and what are they filled with? Great joy! Woo! That's awesome! And So whatever you're facing, whatever situation you're walking through, let Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, fill you with great joy. Amen. Point number three, this is the last one. So they worshiped him. They were filled with great joy. And then they just, they praised God. They praised God. They stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, don't misinterpret this. The passage isn't telling us that for the rest of your days, you need to like, just camp out here and never leave this place, You know, and stay continually at the temple. Remember, what was going on in this scene? Jesus had told them, you guys got to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So that's what they're doing, right? So they're staying in the city. They're worshiping at the temple. They are waiting for Jesus to send what the Father had promised. But church, as I invite the worship team back, up. Can we also admit that we, uh, including myself, that we all need to grow in our praise? we got to grow in our praise. Can we just admit that? I, I want to have a love for Jesus that causes me to want to continually grow in my praise of the Lord. And, and I want to say it this way. You know, I love all the worship music that's out there these days. I love it. I love that we get all these instruments, the drums and the keyboards and the bass and the guitar. I, I love all of that. I love that we get these videos, these live videos coming out from worship teams all over the country, uh, these amazing worship leaders singing these amazing songs. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But here's the danger that we can let all of this or all of those videos almost like, and no one wants to admit to this, but almost like do the worshiping for us. Like somehow we convince ourselves and I'm stepping maybe on some toes here, but we convince ourselves that if we're listening to the worship or we're kind of standing around the worship, that somehow we're worshiping. Like we're listening to the worship or we're standing around the worship and somehow that convinces our minds and our hearts that we are worshiping. Now, I'm all for having times of contemplation or times of quiet where you just stand before the Lord. I get that. But we also need to get this, that no one else can worship the Lord for you. No one else can worship for you. No one else can worship for you. Whether it's Ryan or Kyla or anybody else up here on this stage and whatever they're doing, that does not count for your worship or your praise your spouse or the loved one sitting next to you or your friend I mean all they're shouting and their hand raising and their hand clapping yeah it is their offering of praise to Jesus but you don't get credit for that one. We got to give them praise church. the Lord deserves our worship and I oh man sometimes I don't feel like it I get that Let's not have our worship based on our emotions or our feelings. Let our worship be based on who He is, the exalted, risen Lord, the Messiah, the Christ. That we would be filled with great joy as we consider the marvelous things that He has done. And so, however, you came into the sanctuary today, wherever you are on your journey, could you be brave today as the worship team begins to play? Would you be bold today? Would you take a step forward today in your praise? And I don't know what that means. That could mean a lot of things. Maybe it's raising your hand. Maybe it's unfolding your arms. But maybe it's coming forward. Maybe it's kneeling. Maybe it's standing. Maybe it's clapping. Whatever that means, that you would get into a posture that says, I am pressing in. I'm stepping forward because I have had my eyes open to who you are, uncovered to truly see you, who you are, the vindicated, exalted King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And so my response today is to press into that, to worship you with great joy, to continually have my life to be overflowing with praise to you because of who you are. And if you never did another single thing for me, you would still be worthy of my worship today because of what you did 2,000 years ago on that cross and in that grave. But even knowing that that is enough, I also praise you knowing that as I exalt you and praise your name today, I also know that there is a great blessing of walking with you, Jesus. There is a great overflow and joy of walking with you, of being with you and you being with me. There is such a benefit to what walking through this crazy life, not alone, not by my own power, but with you living within me by the power of you, Lord. There's such a great benefit to that. So yes, I praise you for what you've done, but I'm also praising you for what you're doing. And I'm also going to praise you for what you're going to do. See, I praise you for what you've done. I praise you for what you're doing, but I'm also going to praise you today because of what you're going to do. In fact, I praise you right now, Lord, and I give you glory today because one day you're coming back. One day, Lord, all this you're going to be setting right. One day you are are perfect in your mercy, but you're also perfect in your justice. And you're going to come, and you are going to set everything thing right. And so I praise you, Lord, today. And so church, would you stand with us and let's praise the name of Jesus because he and he alone is worthy of our praise. Amen.